0: catch any? I think those are the most annoying words if you've ever gone fishing. And you've been out on the water all day or maybe even all night, and you're coming into shore and somebody yells out, so did you catch any? Uh, you know, you are you are all prepared. You want to, at that point, you want to be pulling out your fillet knife so that you can clean those fish. But when somebody yells out, you know, catch any, that is like a fillet knife to a uh, uh, an ego of a, of, a, of a fishless fisherman. Unfortunately, catch any is not just a knifing conversation that happens on the dock. Uh, that is a conversation that happens all over the place. Maybe it's the, the nosy aunt or aunt. What do you guys say? Aunt or aunt? Aunt. All right. It's the nosy ant Aunt who says to the uh, single not by choice niece, so you got any men yet you know or or maybe it's the the little old lady next door who says to the infertile couple who who wants nothing more than children but you know the the neighbor says so when are you going to fill this house up with kids that's could be very hurtful could be a knife or it's maybe the the person who's been laid off from a job and he's been looking and looking and looking, but you know, and then he goes out with his golfing buddies and they say, So, you got a job yet? You know, those conversations can hurt. It's like a knife that just twists as it gets stuck into our life. Now what are the things That you so badly want in your life, but you haven't experienced them yet? What are the things that you are fishing for, but you haven't reeled them in? Or what are the things that you maybe once had on the line and they got away? What are the empty nets in your life that you want nothing more to be filled know just bringing up the topic of of empty nets perhaps in our life or or things that we wish we had can 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 bring out a whole bunch of different different reactions maybe it's it's sadness maybe it's hurt maybe it's anger maybe it's a, f- a feeling of being unfulfilled uh, maybe it's it's disappointment and and when you hear that word catch any or a similar conversation, it just, it just adds to it. Makes you wonder what the disciples felt as they had been fishing all night. And they're coming in, and all of a sudden a stranger, at least a stranger to them at first, shouts to them from the shore, friends, haven't you any fish? Catch any? We know that stranger ends up being Jesus. And, and that's, that's what makes it completely different. It is completely different than when Jesus asks you, hey, did you catch any? Versus Aunt Gertie asking you the same thing. It's completely different when, when Jesus asks us, hey, our, tell me about your empty nets versus when maybe even I ask it. Because when Jesus asks something, about the emptiness of our life. When Jesus brings up the topic of, of the empty nets in our life, he's the one that can actually fill them. When Jesus brings up the problems of our life, he is the one who also can bring the solutions. And that's what we see him doing in our lesson that we're going to look at a little bit closely today. We, we see him solving the problems, filling the nets of his disciples, of his followers. And these words from John chapter 21. We're just going to read through these words here from John 21 at this time. So it says, Afterward, uh, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we Will, go with you. And so they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, "It is the Lord." And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, "It is the Lord," he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water, and the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. For they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Wouldn't that be nice if that's how easily Jesus filled our nets? If that's how easily Jesus solved our problems, you know, you look at these words again, it's, oh yeah, just, just throw your net over there. <laughs> and then <laughs> 153 fish come in uh, just like that. I mean, you think of the things that maybe you were thinking about earlier, catch any, you know, wouldn't it be nice? So if you're looking for a spouse, wouldn't it be nice if, if Jesus just told you today, you know what, you guys should just, just get a ticket for the Reno Aces game, sit in section 103, and you will meet your future spouse today. I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful if that's how, how he worked? You know, or, or you're deciding between two jobs or, or you're deciding between a career. Just, just narrow it down to two, God says, and, and call one heads and call one tails and, and just flip that coin and that's going to be the right answer. I, I, I think more often than not, more often than we care to admit, we ask God or we look for signs from God, Right? God, if you only made it so easy. I remember, you know, three years, three and a half years ago now when I had the opportunity to, should I move to Reno or should I stay in Wisconsin where I was? And, and I, you know, I'm debating back and forth, which job should I take? And, and, uh, and, and so I remember vividly sitting at a stoplight and thinking about what should I do? And the car in front of me was a Chevy Tahoe. <laughs> I'm like, all right. And I looked up, and do you know what intersection I was at? Municipal Drive and Wisconsin Avenue. So now I'm like, all right, which sign do you want me to look at? Tahoe or Wisconsin? You know that, that God doesn't always promise to just give us clear signs. Or he gives us two signs, then we say, what, which one do you want me to look at? And that can become Frustrating. But instead of being frustrated by that, you know, maybe the, the point is, is to understand what, what does God what does God promise? You know, he, he doesn't always give us, he never promises to give us the fishing tips, like he did for the disciples on that particular day. But he does promise to say, Hey, I will be with you wherever you go he does promise uh, to bless us he does promise to give you hope he does promise uh, to give you a future he does promise uh, to provide for you whether it's clothing or food or, or the like And in so many ways the way that he he actually provides for us is is more than we're ever even looking for in a sign I mean you look at what happened here you know how did he how did he answer Peter? Went, when Peter said that night before, he said, well, I'm going to go out to fish. I don't think he said, well, I'm going to go and catch my limit of 153. I don't think 153, I think that was probably beyond the limit. You know, he was probably maybe looking for, hey, it'd be nice to have a fish or two or, or three or four. And yet what happened is that God provided so much more, more than he ever thought. 153 fish come into that, that net when Jesus says, just throw your net here. And, you know, and there's, there's some beauty about that little specific number, 153. And I don't, I don't want to look into Scripture more than what's there, like, oh, we have to, what's the one stand for, and what's the five stand for, and what's the three stand for. I think we, we're looking for signs if that's the case. But just the fact that one of Jesus' disciples, John, who writes these words, includes the number. 153 maybe tells us something about our God. And I'm reminded of this every time my, my boys call me. So we used to, well, my boys still fish with Grandpa. With, my boys are up in the Midwest, and when they go fishing with Grandpa, um, you know, they're on the pontoon boat, and they, they usually call me on the way back from our, our favorite fishing hole. And they're on the pontoon, and I'll, I'll say, so how was fishing today? And they'll usually say something like this, well, 22 perch and 14 bluegill. Or sometimes they'll wait till they're done cleaning the fish on grandma's back porch, making a mess. And and then they'll say, well, how was fishing today? And they'll say something like, oh, you know, 12 crappies and and six walleye. They always tell me the number. That's a fisherman thing to do. And it's how long they are, but it's also how many are you caught. And when you, you see that little detail here in scripture, that 153 fish We're caught, maybe he tells us something about our God, that that he's not just a God of generalities, but he's a God of specifics, right? Specificity is what I was going to say, but I stumbled over those words. But yeah, specifics, That, that, that Jesus doesn't just speak for everybody out there, he speaks to you. He speaks fisherman language to fishermen. He speaks farmer language to farmers. He he speaks doctor language to doctors. He knows your specific needs. And he knew the needs of these fishermen on that particular day. Not that they needed so much to catch 153 fish. But you think about what did the disciples need on this particular day, their life had been wavier than the waves on the Sea of Galilee lately. You know, over the last month, you think of some of the things that they had experienced. The week before Easter, they walked in with Jesus on this parade on Palm Sunday. And they saw everybody and heard everybody praising Jesus as a king, and they're like, wow, this is awesome. And then few days later on a thursday they celebrate the solemn dinner with jesus and he their leader gets down on his knees and he washes their feet and they're like what does that mean and then he he says i'm going to start something new with you a new covenant with you and he introduces them to a a thing called holy communion and he tells them he's going to die the next day and sure enough the next day they see their leader their teacher killed on a cross and then they're scared and they're huddled up in a room and all of a sudden Jesus is there. But then he's gone. And they don't see him again for another week. And then they're in that same room and boom, there's Jesus again. But then he's gone again. And they're like, what, what is going on here? You know, they're trying to make sense of, of all the events and all the emotions of the last month. And, and, and now Jesus comes to them. And what happens? He, he does this miracle. 153 fish come into their nets. And, and every time there's a miracle, what does that do? That is like a big neon sign, a big neon arrow pointing to Jesus. This guy is the Son of God. That is what they needed to hear. That is the message they needed on that particular day. Was Jesus really who he claimed to be? Was he really alive? And so through the through the course of a miracle, and also just through through Jesus actually talking and and, and conversing and having a meal with him, they knew Jesus was who he claimed to be, and they knew that Jesus was that was what they needed on that very day. And that was what Jesus gave them. And you you see that in the excitement of their reaction. You know, they were like, whoa, 153 fish. What was their reaction? Look at what John says here. John says, so it's the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's, that's John, one of Jesus' followers. That's his nickname for himself. And so, he, so John said to Peter, one of the others up, it's the Lord. This is, the, this is God. And, and Peter gets so excited when he hears it's the Lord. He jumps out of the boat. What I can't figure out is why did he put his outer garment back on? Uh, you know uh, i usually usually you take it off to go into the water but he he puts it back on to go into the, I don't don't ask me why all right we can talk about that at a piece of pizza this week but he he jumps into the water it's the lord and that is a phrase that is just super comforting that this is this is everything this is Jesus is the very person whom he claimed to be i i, I just love that phrase here it's the lord and it shows up twice in this section, you say, well, it shows up twice right here, yes, but this is really the same, same scenario. John speaks it and Peter hears it, so it's, that's, that counts as one. Did you catch the second time this same phrase appeared? It wasn't with the miracle. It was with the meal on the shore. So after they, they all come in, Jesus says, hey, come and have breakfast. And they all say, and it says none of the disciples dared ask him who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And it's the second time that this phrase comes up that particularly I find comforting and I, I pray you do too. Because you think of how, how did the, the whole scenario day start? You know, How did the whole day start? It's, it's Jesus there shouting from the, from the shoreline, friends, haven't you any fish? He's talking about what's missing in their life. And yes, he's going to bring 153 blessings into their net in a little bit. But even before he does those blessings, what does he have on shore? He already has. That's all right. That's awesome. You're right. He had fish. He already had the blessings that he was going. He he was going to give them some blessings, new blessings. But he he already had blessings for them. He already had things in store for them. And I, you know, you think about our life so much of our, our attention is on the empty nets of our life or what are the 153 blessings that God is going to swim right into our nets but don't forget about the blessings that he already has, is cooking up for you or that he already has cooked up for you he's already got the grill there and, and you think about the, the blessings that God has has already given to you. You know, you, you, you hear here in this lesson, Jesus saying, come. Come and have breakfast. What has he told you? What are the blessings that you already have? Come. Come, all you who are, are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Come. Come, all you who are thirsty, and 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 I'm the living water for you. Come. Come to my table. Come to the, the, you know, what we call communion. Come and and receive my body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Come. Next week, we're going to look at at Psalm 23 as part of our service, where, where Jesus is the shepherd, and he says, come. Come. I've got a table prepared for you in the presence of your enemies. You've got all this danger going around you, but you don't have to worry because I'll, I'll take care of you. Come. And come, you know, and, and eventually he says, come to my heavenly banquet table. But, but they, even that one is, is, is futuristic. And, and yeah, God wants us to have our eyes on, on the prize of heaven. But maybe here, just to notice that God already there's so many blessings for you, right there in the grill in front of you. You know, it kind of reminds me of, of just the, the blessing of, of gathering together for a, like a family meal. You know, sometimes maybe um, if a lot of people will, will sit down for a meal and they'll, they'll maybe pray before they eat, they'll say grace. Or maybe some of you say a prayer that has been dubbed the common table prayer. I don't know how common it is, though. Uh, but it goes like this. It says, come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. And let these gifts to us be blessed. And, and you hear those words, come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. And, and what, are, what are our minds often going to? We're, we're going towards the food that's in front of us. Oh, I can't wait to have that blessing. But maybe, maybe we miss just the, the blessing of, of being, of having Jesus be our guest. Of just having His presence in our life, you know. Like I said, that it's kind of like a family meal. We don't always know the blessings of a family meal. In preparation for today, I, I did a little study on on the the benefits of of eating as a family. All right, and this is not made to ma- make you feel guilty if you don't eat as a family. All right, but you know, universities, Harvard, Stanford, all these top notch universities do all these studies on the the blessings of a, of a family meal. And these are just some of them. If you, have a, if you have the habit of having a family meal, you lower the risk of obesity, substance abuse, and eating disorders. You increase the graduation rates of kids and family unity and personal identity. And, and it teaches things like patience and, and perspectives of other people. And it's an opportunity to to transmit family values. And, and you don't think about those things, right? When you sit down with a family meal, you are not thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to cultivate some some family values here today or today I'm going to work on uh, lowering uh, obesity risk or anything like that. Those are just some some blessings that come by spending time together. And again, my point is not that you all have to go home and make sure you start a family meal now. I'm, I'm a huge proponent of it, especially if there's kids in the picture. But the point is there are blessings that happen just when you are together. And that's really what Jesus is saying here. Yeah, maybe don't just always look at the flash, look at the miracles, look at the fish, the 153 that are coming into your life. But when you just have breakfast, when you spend time with Jesus, that is when you are filled. That is when you are blessed. You know, it, it, it also reminds me, you know, kind of this, this last thing here where Jesus, come and have breakfast and you are filled. Um, reminds me of a, a generational joke on Mary's side. And I don't know how many generations this is. At least your grandpa said it, your dad says it, and now our kids say it. So it's at least four generations old, but her grandpa, and maybe it was before that, he'd always, whenever he'd go to someone's house for dinner, he'd say, I came here hungry and I'm leaving fed up. <laughs> but you think of that. You think of the disciples on this particular day. They were hungry. They were hungry to know just what was true about this Jesus. Was he really alive? Was he really the son of God? And through a miracle, but also through a mundane meal, they were fed up. They were filled with this truth that Jesus is who he claims to be. And that same promise is for you and for me. I don't know what you are particularly hungry for, and I don't know what maybe led you to come here today. You know, maybe you're hungry for some direction in life. Maybe you're hungry for that message of forgiveness. Maybe you're hungry for, for, for being part of a group, of being a fellowship. Uh, there's lots of hunger pains that we bring into a, a place like this on a Sunday morning. Or a lot of things that we're hungry for when we open up a book like this. And yet Jesus' promise is that spending time with me, come and have breakfast with me. That's how we get fed up. And that's how we are filled. As we walk away with the same reaction of the disciples, (laughs) we don't have to dare to ask, who is this guy? We can just simply walk away and say, wow, that's the Lord amen and may the peace of God which you have because of that Lord's presence in your life fill you with all good things including the peace uh, that he has won for you to bring you home amen I uh, you know after hearing God's word what does God's word do do it it, it, it unites